1: It's 2 p.m. in Memphis, Giannotto and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence, live on Memphis's sports station, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Jim, mother, can you hear me whining? It's been three whole weeks since that I have
0: a joke. Welcome, welcome, welcome like to, to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller's producing the program for us. Glad that he is with us. Sydney Crossways, the Crucial Appeal's lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee, top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at mgianato. Mark. Good day, sir.
2: Jeffrey, I got to give you credit. I got to give you credit here. And I feel like this is maybe a natural, this is this the is natural tendency, at least for me, whether it's a team I root for, a team I cover, what have you. When something bad happens, my, you know, my instinct is to go pessimistic at first. You know, like it really gets me down. Kind of like John Moran, you know, like really gets me down. Uh, when things aren't going, you know, things don't go the way. Uh, whether it's a team I root for, you know, they lose a game you you wanted them to win, or they lose something happens, something bad happens. Um, yeah, my my initial tendency for better or worse is to be pessimistic about it, like just think think the worst, if you will. And usually, I feel like you're aligned with me on that. But I gotta give you credit on my drive back from FedEx Forum. I'm talking to you on the phone about the game about. Lakers-Grizzlies game one. We've been talking about it on air here on 92.9 FM all day. Um, and I got to say, you got me feeling more optimistic than I was feeling coming out of that game one. Um, and I and I appreciated it. it was a, I, I, I was not expecting a dose of optimism from Jeffrey Wright. And I felt like, well, it wasn't the most optimistic take because I don't think anyone coming out of game one with how the Grizzlies played with what happened with Ja, could come out feeling like roses are red, you know, like rosy is, you know, with the rosiest of feelings. But I thought, I th- you know, I thought you you put it in good perspective for me, and so I'm glad we get to be here on the radio today together, so that you can help you can help cheer up Memphis, if you will. It is of course
0: Monday, so it's Overreaction Monday, and maybe it's Optimistic Monday. Some might argue. Maybe that was like a football game in the sense that. You can come back in, and you can just have thousands of overreactions, <laughs> one way or the game other. Game one, yesterday. Uh,
2: game one of the first round of the playoffs in the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. Feel like maybe Major League Baseball less so because there's not a day. Usually there's not a day between game one and game two, but I feel like in the NHL and the NBA, it's like everyone over everyone overreacts to game one. Oh, one hundred percent.
0: Especially when there's been a layoff and. You know part of part of the problem with the layoff is it allows you to overthink these matchups and so yesterday could kind of be yesterday could kind of be like a litmus test to what you were thinking about the series and it's mm-hmm. the first time you get to see it in action mm-hmm. but there are also some things that happened yesterday that I'm not sure are repeatable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so that's what we're here for.
2: Well, we've got a lot to get to. We're going to break down game one, look ahead to game two, talk about all the different angles. I've got a lot of overreactions. Jeffrey's got a lot of overreactions. We'll get to him in a second here when when it comes to the Grizzlies. Jason Munns is going to join us at 240 or so. Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. We'll get the latest on the Mikey Williams situation. Uh, He was also out at uh, simmons Bank Liberty Stadium for the uh, Showboats debut. Seemed like a uh, successful debut except for the result on the field uh, for the Memphis Showboats, but we'll get Munz's thoughts on on that. Then we'll get into the list. Lots of other things happened in the NBA playoffs besides Grizzlies-Lakers game one. Um, so we will uh, get you uh, all you need to know on that. Also, the we, we're getting more details about the new collective bargaining agreement, Jeffrey. Um, and then Jalen Hurts, big payday. Rich man. Yeah, big payday for Jalen Hurts. And then... Uh, I'll wrap things up with some more Grizzlies because I mean it is you realized as that game started yesterday, it, it just hit you. It's like, oh my God. It's LeBron James, Anthony Davis, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, these up and coming gri- like this is a clash, a playoff clash, if you know, if you will, and all in every sense of sort of that word, both in terms of narrative and in terms of the people and the Stakes involved in this, and um, you know, a lot of people, Jeffrey, the reaction has been, and maybe this is the original overreaction today. I think Stephen A. Smith encompassed it. This series is over, over. Lakers are gonna crush the Grizzlies, they're done. John Morant's hurt, they can't win without John Morant. This series is over. The Grizzlies are gonna get what they, you know, sort of uh, you know, they've been yapping. And they're gonna get an early exit. They're come up Yes. That's I feel like that that's an overreaction that's been said so much, it's now just the reaction. And the overreaction, Jeffrey, and I wouldn't have said this until I had I talked to you after the game. This series is not done. All right. Not done. Now it might be done if you lose game two, but it's not done right now. So the Grizzlies in their five series wins, three
0: of those, they've lost game one. They've won game two in the three that they've won. Mm. So what I am willing to say is if they lose Wednesday, okay, we can, we can start to discuss whether or not this is over. But I think you have to look at the game in its entirety. Were there things that were alarming? And were there things that if you're a Grizzlies fan that you've watched most of the games this year, deep down you've had your
2: concerns about? Mm-hmm. For instance. Certainly since the the two injuries happened. Correct. Especially without. And I'm not talking about Ja. Clark and Adams. Adams and Clark.
0: Were you concerned that Anthony Davis was going to have a field day?
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Everyone kind of thought, oh, my God. what? How are they going to combat Anthony Davis? Going into game one and coming out of game one. The same thought. Oh, my God. How are they going to combat Anthony Davis? They don't really have an answer. You did not
0: have any fears alleviated. The
2: only only answer you potentially have, and I just don't know if you can risk doing this. Like, the only potential answer you have is putting Jaron Jackson Jr. on him more. But I don't know if you want to risk that. Like, I liked the fact that he could play 35 minutes yesterday or whatever it ended up being. 35, 38 minutes, whatever it was. I liked that. And I don't think you can necessarily – like. You're putting that at risk by putting him on Anthony Davis a lot more than you did. You know, he, he played him a, a little bit. But generally speaking, Jaron was not the primary defender on Anthony Davis to the point that they had, like, Santi Aldama on him at times. Yeah, so... They wanted to avoid that, and I think that's the right... I I, I think it's the right move, but ultimately, you might be... You, if you go down 2 nothing, your hand's going to be forced a little bit. Yeah, I... I understand the logic behind it. Jaron played 37 minutes. I, I like play, I like 37 minute Jaron. That was nice. I
0: still felt coming into the series, obviously losing Stephen Adams on the offensive rebounding side was big. I still think what you saw yesterday, Brandon Clark's absence is clearly noticed, and I felt like I think I've even said it on the show. I've always felt like you you notice Brandon Clark's absence more in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. more than you do well, in the regular season because a large part of what happens is a lot of teams will end up going small and so you need him from a rebounding perspective and he doesn't get yeah. as overmatched in and, the
2: playoffs and the other thing is is you saw, like Anthony Davis for all the to- like he had 20 something point 22 points 12 rebounds where Davis was the most disruptive was defensively i Correct. mean it was incredible seven blocks and he had three steals um, you know, he, uh, he, he had the, I mean, he honestly, like he had, yeah, he had seven blocks, three steals, 12 rebounds, um, 20, 23 point or excuse me, 22 points plus 27 when he was on the floor. And where, where you, where I think you miss Clark too, is that Anthony Davis can kind of just roam when he's defending Xavier Tillman, just like Jaron Jackson Jr. does when he's defending right. Jared Vanderbilt. Um, and Clark... And Clark would keep him honest a little better, very clearly. I think he would be your answer to that. And You know, you'd start Adams, and Adams would have similar issues in terms of Anthony Davis not paying attention to him as Tillman. But then you could counter with Brandon Clark in that situation um, and play Brandon Clark down the stretch of games, like you did in the Timberwolves series last year. And you don't have that option. You just don't. And so – but, but – I don't know. To me, it, to it your really, point it, though, it we expected the, Anthony Davis to be, be dominating inside.
0: Correct. And while while he was dominant on one end of the floor, and you can make the argument yesterday, he was when he was on the floor, he was the best player. Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to listen to that. I would probably ride for Jaron a lot, but I mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that Anthony Davis was not a difference maker. You didn't get like the forty and twenty type game. Yeah. The type of game where you're like, they have no chance. So it's very clear to me a large portion of the game plan, and they said so afterwards, the game plan is don't let LeBron and Anthony Davis beat you. Make mm-hmm. the other guys beat you. Mm-hmm. And you tip your cap to them because guess what happened yesterday? A once-in-a-lifetime performance from one guy, and I'm not talking to Austin Reeves, Rui Achimor. Mm-hmm. And when you have a guy that goes five of six from three – despite being an 11% three-point shooter during the final 10 games of the season and a 31% three-point shooter,
2: sometimes that's not your night. Well, and can I add on to that? I got a couple couple, uh, add-ons, if you will. But first off, to your point about Rui Hachimura, like Desmond Bain, some Lakers fans have latched on to what Desmond Bain said after the game where he basically said, um, let's see him do it again. You know, this was the—I'm paraphrasing here a bit, but Desmond Bates said— the game. He
0: said something along the lines of, that was the game plan. Credit to him. He had the game of his
2: life. Now let's see if he can do it again. Yes. And, like, he was giving an honest answer. I, I Like, yeah, I guess—I mean, some people have I think it was, you know, a backhanded compliment. And it, I guess it probably was to a certain extent. But, like, he also was just being—I I, I don't know. I don't like getting on guys— for giving what I think, like, reasonable answers. I thought that was a reasonable answer to the question. Was there a little bit of, uh, like, you know, prove it again, I guess? Yeah. Like, it's Rory Hachimura. Well, yeah, when did on, he ever look like that? I don't know. I guess this was my— It re- was probably the best game of his career. Like I I looked bet it you
0: it, even- Game score-wise, it was the third best of his career. Okay.
2: But, and we don't know we don't know, you know, what you know, he's a you know, I'm sure he's had some big games for the Japanese national team somewhere along the line, too.
0: It's the most threes I think he's hit this year. Mm-hmm. And it's far and away the best percentage. He went of eleven of fourteen. Mm-hmm. He set a Lakers record for play or for points that are a player off the bench. It was a historic performance. Tip your cap. You know what my reaction was when Dez said that? Good. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I feel. Like the whole point is, you're playing percentages. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that you would rather you would rather scrap the game plan because a guy that has not been a consistent three point shooter had the well, per-
2: the thought would be the game plan was sound, but after he hits a few, you adjust. And I you, mean, they didn't adjust. That would be I'll, devil's I'll tell advocate you this. there.
0: If you were watching the broadcast,
2: Jeff Van Gundy said don't adjust. Yeah. I mean, you have to give up something. Correct. You know, ultimately. You can't take away everything. And I, and you, as you point out, like, they did a pretty good job in the half court. Like, the initial half court possession against both Anthony Davis and LeBron. Davis, I thought, feasted on second, a, chance, second opportunities. chance opportunities. Um, And, you know, LeBron had some, I thought, a couple key threes. Also had a couple really bad turnovers. Yep. Um, but he wasn't that good, LeBron. He was, like, fine. He was kind of—honestly, like, him and John Morant, before he got injured, were kind of similar. Like, he's kind of—
0: I'll say this, if you've watched the Lakers a decent amount this year, this is kind of what LeBron has been. Mm -hmm. He's putting up numbers that look good on the stat sheet, particularly in points— he doesn't give you a ton defensively. Like he had, a, he had a lot of the. He's
2: good at chase down, uh, chase down blocks. Like, yeah, chase down blocks and like weak side blocks. He, he's, yeah, I, I, he's a he's a still, weapon. There, he's
0: an all time great. Yeah. Yes, uh, but he's an all time great. That's thirty eight.
2: Yeah. No, it was uh, See that so, and then obviously the the big story coming out of the game is John Morant's health and that scene in the locker room and Jeffrey. My overreaction, and this comes with no— This is said without a shred of insight slash sourcing from, like, the Grizzlies medical staff. This is a pure gut take. This is a pure gut take. This is what overreaction Monday is all about. John Morant's going to play in game two. Wednesday, he's going to play in game two. So— so here, can I can I tell you yeah, something? go ahead. I, this is just me and you talking, right? Yeah. No, no one else is yeah, listening. No one else is, trust me. Just me and you. Like, I, I just want to give you my unvarnished take on what happened in the locker room, but I don't want anyone else to know I actually think this. All right. Okay? So keep this between you and me, Jeffrey. All right. That scene in the locker room with John Morant, it was kind of weird and awkward. I'm, I'm You know, like, him, like, you know, like, he was like, I don't know how to say this, it was like, very dramatic. I think, dramatic. I I know think that. he was legitimately in pain. But I also think it was weird to me that it felt like he wanted the media to he wanted to make sure the media saw him and how much pain he was in. Like he could have done a lot of the stuff he was doing in the locker room. Like he was all alone in there. It was because like you know, like other guys on the team, kinda like, you know, when we're when when the media is allowed in, they go to the other room so they can, you know, and they Greet the media, if you will, on their terms, because like there's sure, you know, there's the whole caveat of like we're invading their space ultimately yeah. after a game, like that's just the reality. But the way it's set up and the way these locker rooms are set up, there's like a back room where like we're not allowed, and yeah. like the players can go to hang out in there until they're ready to speak to the media. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was like, from my perspective, if I was thinking of trying to play in the series and trying to like thinking about this from a gamesmanship standpoint with the Lakers, I don't know if I'd be wanting to show weakness like, like that so publicly. Um, but I just thought the whole thing was a little bit strange. Um, and I don't know. Like, I get it. He was dejected and defeated. But it just, I, I don't know. I had never seen something like that before. It made me, it made me not just concerned about, jaw's like physical state because obviously he's in pain and he's hurt like i don't i'm not suggesting he's not hurt but it also made me concerned about kind of like you know is this guy mentally equipped right now for this playoff run like is he you know is he in a mental state where he can be the even if he can play can he be the player he needs to be sure because it it just that scene, whole scene it just felt like that's a guy who's kind of like uh you know really just defeated right now and I don't know if I would want. I personally, like, I I thought it was weird that you'd want to show that publicly. To be quite honest.
0: Yeah, the one thing that gives me a little bit of hesitation, mm-hmm. because again, from what I saw, I'm sorry. Your first reaction is this is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like that's the the obvious reaction, and it's mm-hmm. not. To and your I point, think
2: we, I think we've seen with Ja over the years, even from the first game he played as a rookie. Like he does take losses very hard, he does, and then especially you add in the fact this was a loss where he thinks he's you know hurt himself pretty good. Well, and he also
0: he also has a tendency he freaks out when he thinks he's hurt. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's that has been pretty well documented. The one the one thing that's giving me hold up right now is kind of the point that you that you've made. I think we can all acknowledge, and some people would probably point out, rightfully so. But since the return, mm-hmm. it's just been a very weird vibe. Mm-hmm. It's not particularly like, oh, this is the wrong way to handle it. This is the right way. I, I'm forget all. Forget what your opinion is of how you should or shouldn't handle it. From the observation perspective, it's just been weird.
2: Yeah, and then you had what Jaron said after the game and i know i was listening to you with jeff and and jeff and i know like uh other people have you know kind of like you know, whatever Jer- cuz Jer- if you if you aren't aware like Jaron basically said eh, John, um <laughs> said uh hold on, i'm going to dig out the quote here um so i don't uh misquote him um he said um that's always just stuff he's telling you all. This is Jared on John Morant. At the end of the day, he feels fine. We push through anything. He's just going to tell you all something good. And from a health perspective, I don't think like he's fine. I don't think he obviously didn't feel fine. But I did think it was like kind of, to your point of like, <laughs> like he does. He, I thought it was a very interesting quote for Jared to say to the to the media as it relates to John Morant.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you because. I don't know. I guess what I have sensed, and and, when when there's, there no one's going to tell you this on the record, whatnot. I have sensed this year that there has been more of a jaw as the mouthpiece is going kind of rogue, and and it's not that it's causing like a true strife, you know, between the team, but I do think that jaw has said things that. Maybe the whole team didn't agree with, and they weren't on board
2: Or they with. agreed with it, but they wouldn't have said it
0: themselves. Right. But I do – I thought yesterday was really important for Jaron for a couple of reasons. Number one, I thought from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, like, he played his ass off. Mm-hmm. And he played really well. And I thought one thing that – I didn't see a ton of the – you know, sometimes when Jaron gets a call that goes against him, he'll flail his arms and whatnot. Like I thought he did a pretty He's good composed. job. Pretty good job of staying even keel yeah. for the entire game. And he had an intensity and a focus. I'm not willing to just dismiss that as like, oh well, Jaron's just whatever, just saying something in passing. Like I do think it's possible that if you're in a playoff series, I could see where if you think that you just played the type of game where if you play that way, typically you win, mm-hmm. and you didn't get that, I could see where like you could translate it to as, hey, man, everyone's banged up right now and doesn't feel good. Like, Anthony Davis left the game,
2: mm-hmm.
0: came back in. Like, it's the playoffs. Like,
2: Yeah, well, and and ultimately, like, Joss said it himself. This is not, like, his hand is not broken. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Before the game, Taylor Jenkins, for the first time, called it a contusion. Before the game, that's but what... Isn't that just a bruise? Yes. That is... It's a fancy word for a bruise. It's uh, a region of injured tissue or skin in which blood capillaries have been ruptured. Isn't that a bruise? <laughs> Semicolon a bruise. Yeah. Um, and... But it's been called... It's like a... It, Josh said it's a pain tolerance thing. Like, ultimately, like, his return is going to be about pain tolerance in that right hand. Now, it's his shooting hand. So, like, I, I don't just discount that. Um, Well, and it's, it's, it's not just shooting hand, you know, you dribble,
0: dribble, everything. everything. Yeah,
2: no, it's, it's going to be a pain tolerance thing. Um, But that's also why I think, and to go back to my original reaction, like, I think a lot can change in 48 to 72 hours with a bruise. Like, I, I believe him that in that moment, he probably couldn't play in the locker room. But ultimately, like, you know, it I think some time will pass and maybe, you know, we'll, you know, maybe when the injury report comes out tomorrow, he's questionable. Maybe, you know, and uh, you see how it feels on game day. Maybe, maybe, Jeffrey, I don't don't know if it's going to shock you. Maybe you give maybe give a little shot of something. Okay. so Help it out. Though I was trying to think. I don't know. Maybe you can't. Maybe uh, maybe by game three you can. I don't know. Well, no, like what I was thinking though is, all right, it's one thing like
0: if your left shoulders hurt and you're going to play like a football game. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're a quarterback, you numb that bad boy up. But you
2: gotta have feel in your hand. Like, hands. don't you have to have, yeah. yeah that's a good point. That's I good feel point. like you
0: have to have feeling in your hand. I don't know. Like, I, I just,
2: in terms of the bigger thing. Cons- I'll say this, man, the slow mo of, of him falling did not look good.
0: No, it did not look good,
2: but also, holy hell, people. Like, he was trying to dunk over Anthony yeah, it Davis. Was really, it was not a smart play. And I know, like, what, another overreaction. Like, can we, like, okay, maybe the charge rule needs to be changed. I just, it was, it's odd to me that everyone's been holstering this. We need to change the charge rule take for the, for yeah, yesterday when I'll John this, Giannis go down with injuries. I, I didn't don't, know that we were I holstering like, that one. I didn't know. I feel like
0: you're out of playoff shape. This is what happens. Yeah. Like you get number one, like when you're surprised that Lakers fans are reacting the way they did to the Desmond Bain clip, mm-hmm. like it's. It's almost where I just want to, like, did you forget last year against the Warriors? Like, <laughs> I guess
2: that's right. Like, yeah. did,
0: did – am I – because, yeah. like, this is what the Lakers – the charge do. rule? I didn't know we were but, going charge but rule. But this is another like – First weekend of the playoffs. There are certain, like, basketball media types that decide, like – it's a lot like a protest. Yeah. It's like if you make a big deal about this in game 43, it doesn't get amplified. But if you wait till after John Morant on the ABC game, and then Giannis on the next game after it, like if you do that, like it's a bigger platform, and it allows the message to, it allows the message to resonate more. But this happens every year.
2: Mm, okay.
0: This is how the this is how the uh, the Kawhi foot rule, like the give them space rule.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. And we're like okay. that was yeah.
0: that was a play. Like it's people just decide like they're gonna take up a cause. And they holster it until like these moments, and this mm. is when they, this is when they fire the. This tape. is their
2: playoffs too. Correct.
0: I I view them as activists. There's no difference. <laughs> Basketball yes, activists. Yes, exactly.
2: Oh man. Well, um, I don't know. I guess my
0: overreaction, though. Back to Ja. My biggest overreaction is. I'm wondering if this is all just a little too much right now. Like it. It seems to me. I think obviously the injury plays a part of it because mm-hmm. I acknowledge like when Ja thinks he's hurt, he tends to overreact. But I also think part of it is he views this as maybe like his like uh, winning cures all. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm in complete agreement with you. I thought he played fine. Yeah. No point did I go. Oh, oh, he's costing them, or he's not playing well. Guys, like, I, I thought he played fine. Yeah. But I think that in, inevitably, like in all of this, it's like he wants he wants to be the star of the show. And I think one of the bigger issues about this series is I'm not sure the path forward for them to win the series is him to be the star of the show. Mm-hmm. He has, I think, he has to be a, a part of the show. But I mean, like. I don't know if throwing a lob to Santi Aldama in the second quarter, I don't know if that's, like, a good basketball play. I don't know if trying to dunk over Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter of a one-possession game, I don't know if that's the right basketball play. But I get the sense of, like, he's on a mission. And to me, that's kind of the bigger concern.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just think emotionally he's kind of an emotional wreck right now, a little bit, both... You know he's distraught from the injury. I think just the everything that's happened over the last couple months, where like let's just be honest, he's like whether whether he blames other people or himself. Sure, he has mangled his reputation. His reputation has been mangled over the past six months. Well, and you know let's
0: and a, co- I, a couple and other I, things like number one, money's been taken out of his pocket.
2: Well, that too. But I think I think Jaw deep down is a good person. I do, I really do believe that. Um, and you know why I, part of why I believe that is I think when good people are viewed by others as being like out of line or bad or whatever, it like it, it weighs more. on you, yeah. it weighs on you when you are actually deep down a good person. And so I, and I think that's what you saw in that locker room more than like, like, I think it's physical pain, but I also think you're seeing emotional pain of like, just it, he said it, it's, it, it, it's, it's thing after thing and like ultimately that comes off a little weird because the thing most of the things you're referencing there were caused by you but at the same time they add up and then when something happens that's you know ultimately it's bad luck that you got injured it's also as you put it a bet you made it you know the reality is it's not the same type of bad decision he made in that Denver area strip club, but he made a bad decision driving into the hole uh, and trying to dunk over Anthony Davis. And he got away with it as a rookie. Yeah. Remember that? Remember oh, yeah. that? Like, you know, and we it was like a, you know endearing moment even when he did it as a rookie. It was part of probably his best game of his, the best game to date of his rookie year. Remember they beat the Lakers and he had like 20-something and, you know, double-digit assists. It was right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. Um and like, you know, you shouldn't you know, you got away with it that time, but you didn't get away with it this time. And so, um, you know, I I would be I'm just concerned about kind of is he mentally there, even if he is physically able to play. Um, that would be what my concern is with him. At the same time, I think that's part of why he sounded so dejected and defeated. And that's why I'm holding out hope that maybe with a couple days you know i'm not saying he's going to be 100% but maybe he could you know it's the playoffs baby and maybe he can you know slap some dirt on it and go out and play
0: yeah i mean i guess to me the other the other issue is how do you deal with adversity like that is kind of the story of sports like you know
2: mm-hmm.
0: take for example lebron james
2: yeah no, no, and listen, and this goes back to my original point, though. They're down one nothing. Like, if they come out, like, here's what I can say. They can win. I don't know if they can win the series without Ja. I do believe they can win game two without Ja Morant. A lot of things will have to go wet, right. They're going to have to hit a bunch of threes. You know, guys like Luke Kennard, Xavier Tillman, like, they're going to have to play well. You can't have anyone playing poorly. But I think they can win game two without John Moran. I don't know if they can win the series without John Moran. And it's more even from like just a depth perspective. They're not enough good players if you don't have John Moran.
0: No, I mean that's the numbers are now starting to work against them.
2: I don't know. I guess to me the But the series not done. Like Stephen A is saying like a lot of people around the country are saying. Like they can win game 2 even without John Moran.
0: I have felt that this team and I don't know if there's a specific reason and I don't know if this is just so vague and that if anyone were associated with the team, they'd roll their eyes. This team needs a knockout punch because I felt like, yet again, last night was another example. Like it kind of got overshadowed. But, Mark, yet again, that was another fourth quarter with the lead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fourth quarter where you got outplayed. Fourth quarter with the lead where they got outplayed. But Badly didn't, outplayed, if we're being honest. I felt like there were multiple opportunities. Well, and During I will that say, game that game like... was
2: strange. I mean, very clearly, I mean, Desmond Bain was talking about in the locker room with Tillman. Like, Tillman was like, man, it's crazy. Tillman, literally, this is a conversation going on in the locker room after the game with reporters in the room. Um, Tillman is goes to, talks across the room to Bain and says like, man, those last five minutes were like nuts. Like, yeah. it went from like a one-point game to like, you know, what do we lose by? And, you know, then Bain goes, man, it was really the last three minutes. And I went and looked up, Bain was right. It was 113-112 with three minutes to go. Oh, I mean, I think it was back. It was still a one-possession game with two minutes to play. Yeah. Um, and it just, you know, then they it was just a way. I mean, I'll say this. one. Of the, I think the thing that's not being discussed enough, it's being discussed a lot in L.A., but not here in Memphis in terms of what was the most concerning part. Austin Reeves scoring 10 straight at the end of the game. Like the Rory thing, you can, you know, like kind of fluky. D'Angelo Russell, you can go, well, you know what? Like, he played horrible. He was due for a decent playoff game against the Grizzlies after how horrible he played last year. Um, But, like, Austin Reeves, like, as as he shouted after he hit that big shot, like, I'm him. Like, I don't know if it's that, but, like, it does feel like he's a decent third banana to the LeBron and Anthony Davis all of a sudden. The most concerning
0: defensive aspect of yesterday was also, if you've watched the Lakers – that was nothing new. Mm-hmm. Like they just looked like that. They they looked as if the Lakers came out and ran a set that they had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And just with how intense this team is with film study, like I I find that hard to believe. Mm-hmm. But that was actually the bigger concern. Was that's kind of what they've been doing.
2: Yeah. No. And I mean, Bain's got to be a little better there. To be quite honest. No. I mean, I actually think Bain has to be better. Period. Mm-hmm. And I know, like yet again, when you look at his stat line and. He had a good third quarter, but you're right. The fourth quarter, he was not. He was okay, but he like ultimately defensively. I believe he was the one defending Reeves in those situations. I just don't think it was you're, pick and roll. So it's a you know, it's not. I don't think on you're going to win a playoff game against a quality opponent going three of ten from three from Des. And then, well, combined him and him and Kennard got to probably hit like they got to hit you know average like three four threes a piece. So this is the number, and then we'll get to Jason Munns. So I looked it up on uh,
0: closest defender from NBA.com. 33 of the Lakers' 37 three-point attempts were either open or wide open, meaning Mm -hmm. basically there wasn't a player within two steps. Mm -hmm. The Lakers went 15 of 16 on – I'm sorry. 15 of the Lakers' 16 made threes were either open Open. or wide open. Conversely, the the Grizzlies get 31 – Wide open or open threes. The Grizzlies made 12.
2: Uh, They're going to have to do better. if They're going to win game two. But it's not over. Oh. Neither is this show. Jason Munn's is going to join us next. We'll talk Tiger basketball, Mikey Williams, and more with him. You're listening to Giannotto and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN.
1: And Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of GJ is brought to you by the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The Gionato and Jeffrey show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Turn a loss into a win with BetMGM, official sports betting
0: partner of Major League Baseball. Place a one game parlay wager with at least four legs on any MLB game. If all the legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back in bonus bets up to $25. Just log into your account or download the app and sign up at BetMGM to get started. Then opt into the one-game parlay insurance promotion to receive up to $25 back in bonus bets if your parlay with four legs or more loses by just one leg. It's only at BetMGM, the best place to bet on baseball. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee-only, new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Jason Munz is the Tiger Basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He was also at the Showboats game on Saturday. He joins us each and every Monday on the program. Munz, what are we listening to? This is Nature Boy by
3: Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. In
0: honor of the Nature Boy?
3: No, just, you know, I like it. I like Nick Cave and the Bad Seed. So uh, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it.
2: I've got my transition. Mm-hmm. Is Mikey Williams a Bad Seed?
3: Oh, Mark. All right, Never. not bad, not bad, not bad. I'll give it yeah, to you. Yeah, that was better than last week. Yeah,
2: not sure. bad. Yeah. No, in all seriousness. I have no idea what to make of Mikey Williams, to be quite honest. Uh, since, you last us, like <laughs> since you last joined us. his uh,
0: attorney doesn't either.
2: Since you last joined us, the big story in Memphis basketball is that the premier recruit from Penny Hardaway's recruiting class, Mikey Williams, the five-star, um, was arrested on felony gun charges out in Sa- the San Diego area. I believe this happened Thursday or Friday this broke. I'm I'm like it's Friday morning was when Friday we morning. All alerted right. to it. Yeah, so it's like Thursday afternoon he was arrested. Friday morning uh, or late Friday night uh, news emerged via San Diego media outlets about the arrest. Uh, subsequently he's he's paid bond. He's uh, retained an attorney. He's got a court date on Thursday. Um we have not heard anything from Memphis other than they're looking into it. Um, what do you make of this Mikey Williams situation um and sort of his future with the Memphis basketball program?
3: Well, I mean uh, I mean based on uh, there there just seems to be we seem to know uh what's what's what happened and what's going on I mean based on. What the what information the San Diego County, Sheriff, San Diego County Sheriff's Department has released? Um, it seems pretty cut and dry what happened, but you know, as we all know, that that this is, it, it, it looks can be deceiving, uh, and so
2: a good lawyer would yeah. always tell you we don't know exactly what happened just from the police report. <laughs> and
3: see, that's yeah, that's like that's a my good lawyer. I'll tell you is, that. Like, yeah, that's my point here is like as far as like what can be taken away from what we know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not I, I don't I, I hesitate to, you know, get all takey on this just because, mm-hmm. again, there's it's still so early. I mean, yes, the incident occurred March 27th. That much we know. And we know that it took two and a half weeks for him to actually be placed under arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, he, he, he bonded out and, and
2: now by, uh, for the record, he is alleged by the police to have shot into a car in which a couple of the passengers were minors, but that's a kind of a relative point. They could have been, he's 18, they could have been 17, whatever, but it was involved and it involved, I believe even the police acknowledged this, but his lawyer certainly said it, it involved like a disturbance at his house. Like people... Un, unwanted guests, yeah, I think, or something like un, that? Uh, yeah, people he did not uninvited, want in his house.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah
2: uninvited guests. Yeah. So, um, but that, you know, ultimately he is being alleged to have fired a gun into at a car in the direction of a vehicle um, on his property. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I would just say this. I just think ultimately, I, I'm, you know, the circumstances seem... You know, unclear at this point. Ultimately, I know that what the police allege, but like, you know, I, I'd I, I don't know. They did. They obviously it ne- they needed two to three weeks to prove to themselves, even that Mikey Williams might have been the guy who shot the gun. I would just look at it like this: if it's a fe- if the felony charges stick, there's just no way he's going to play for Memphis. And if the felony charges fair, don't then. stick, then like we'll see. Maybe yeah, we'll see. That's kind of where I'm at, ultimately. Is there enough time, though, Jason, to get this
0: resolved? Because I feel like that's another aspect of this. I mean, uh,
3: yes. It, it, I mean, like, if anything has... Uh, if Thursday's if court
2: anything, date what might, might be instructive in terms of the timeline of how this goes. I'm assuming he'll em- enter a plea of not guilty of some kind. Um, I would think so. And then, you know, my my... I'm just... This is, uh, again... Nothing scientific, just gut take from the attorney's statement when he was announcing that he was he had been retained by Mike Williams. They're going to try and plea this down to a misdemeanor, and if he can do that, I think there's an avenue for him to play college basketball next season.
3: Yeah, I mean, like again, the last couple of years, if they have taught us nothing, it's that Penny Hardaway can do can do stuff uh, like late and 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 you know and make it work. Um, it, it's April. It's mid April right now and you know just like yes jamar young uh who who never played at memphis uh like they you know he entered the portal late and that's why he didn't play last year he missed the deadline but like just because you like you can as long as you're in the portal by may 11th you don't have to commit and like you can commit whenever you want to so uh, you know, you're not going to if if Penny Hardaway has to replace Mikey Williams, um, yeah, you're probably not going to go out and find uh, a guy who, you know, who who's whose uh, ceiling is as potential is as high as potentially Mikey Williams is if you're if you're having to do it in June, July, or August. But um, uh, you know, I, I I don't know I. I I hesitate to say anything about like the the timeline here, just yeah. because Penny Penny's Penny's good. He's very very good.
2: Yeah. No. It'll be. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think it's a. Uh, you know what what happens here is well, as a big. You know, it's one what happens here, and then two. You know, ultimately, how comfortable are you uh, still bringing him on the team? Uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer to either of those questions. Um, I just
3: the thing that I'm like really interested to see here is like what what will the you know counter argument be? What will the defense be? Will it will it be that you know it wasn't him who shot who, self defense? Who, you know, self defense or, or could it? That's what I was going to say. He felt threatened.
2: He, he, he felt his life was in danger. Yep. And, and... Who's to
3: say? That's what I'm saying. Like who's to say one of those five people who was at his house didn't say, Okay, we're going to get in our car and yep. we're gonna, you know, get something out of our car or we're going to come back and we're going to have more people or more things with us when we come back. And like, you know, so like uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all we'll see how it all plays out. But it, it's you know it's certainly not something that you would want to be dealing with if you're Penny Hardaway here yeah. in mid April, but yeah. Uh, you know, so from that standpoint, it's not great, but, um, but I think, you know, no pun intended, the jury's still out.
2: Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a fascinating thing to follow over the next few months, uh, to see, you know, cause the other part of this is at the very least, it feels like this is going to, even in the best case scenario, it feels like this might delay his arrival on campus potentially.
3: Also, I would, I would think, yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, like while he gets, even if even in the best case scenario, he gets this thing resolved in some form or fashion. It's going to take some time and, you know, it's just not, it's not a great situation. He put himself in, it appears, but also, you know, who knows the, the circumstances are still uh, a little murky and we'll see how it develops. Uh, We want, I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the showboats game. You were there at Simmons bank Liberty stadium on Saturday uh, the Memphis Showboat sounded like it was a pretty good debut other than the final score uh for the showboats what did you uh what did you make of the USFL's return to Memphis on Saturday what was
3: it like I I mean listen I'll be honest I was not I went into this assignment not expecting much mm-hmm. um I just you know for for better or worse I just I wasn't expecting much and so mm-hmm. and so as things uh, you know, played out on Saturday. I was very, very pleasantly uh, surprised. It was a nice day. Um, there was a lot of people there. You know, for uh, uh minor league football. It, it was. It was spring I mean, you football. Know, like Devel- spring developmental football. Sorry. Spring football.
2: Come on, come on, Jason.
3: Sorry, 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 sorry. I take that back. Uh, uh d- 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 spring football. That, that's the way, that's what yeah. we'll do. Um. Yeah, no, and I like you know I I think that you know probably Memphis had some vested interest uh, a little bit more than maybe normal with Brady White at quarterback, but I don't get the sense being out there that he was like some super huge draw. I mean, I think people were happy that he was out there, you know, playing and and being back. Uh, in Memphis, uh, in, a, in a football uniform and, and pads and a helmet and everything, but like I think the majority of people out there would have been out there anyway, whether it was Brady White or somebody else. Um, and I think it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just if it were, you know, I, I estimated somewhere north of fifteen thousand. Like it could have been, it could have been 16, 17, mm-hmm. uh, thousand people. It was, it was, it was a really good crowd, and they were into it. And um, you know, there was a lot of. Uh, just a lot more people, I wrote about it in my uh, story off the game about just how a lot of people, it, it just it just made people feel a certain way again, you know, because uh, the city has uh, a, a pretty good tradition when it comes to um, professional football uh I say good just tradition. I mean, you know, they they've come and they've gone pretty quickly most of them. Well, Memphis so has I,
2: generally supported them pretty decently.
3: Yeah, and like you felt that. Like I talked to a guy in a maniac's jersey and I talked to a guy in an old showboat's jersey. And, you know, there was there was all sorts of people out there who there was there was a guy there was more than one express jersey uh that I saw out there and so yeah, it was it was really neat to see just the 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 city come out and rally around another uh another pro sports venture and you know the football wasn't the football part of it obviously they lost and uh and and everything and um but you know it, it wasn't uh it wasn't the worst football i've ever seen and 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 so yeah i think i think it's got potential i think it's got potential way more potential than uh than the, America, the alliance of american football um it just got just bigger. bigger. You know, like
2: being backed by Fox and yeah. having deals yeah. on MBC already. Like it's you know, it just feels well, like Well
0: the a- AF was thrown together so quickly and then they tried to rush to market when they found out Vince was gonna do mm-hmm. the XFL and this feels like a more organized interesting. Well they got Fox
2: money behind it. Fox is, you know, running the show. Um and so it'll it'll be interesting. I, I will be you know, it was the first game. I, I wanna i I'm hopeful uh for their sake, that it's, you know, the momentum conti- even if the team's like, you know, not the greatest team, that the momentum and interest continues. I did find it fascinating as I was getting ready for the Grizzlies game, I noticed the Houston Gamblers game on.
3: Oh yeah. And like yeah, I, was gonna, just see- I was gonna ask you about this part. Yeah,
2: and then just seeing like it was like no no one's supporting the Houston Gamblers. No one uh, in Memphis has we- adopted them as
3: their team. There was like 150 people in the stands. Yeah. One of them was Doug Peterson. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah, his son. Oh, really? His son's playing, right? Oh, I had no yeah, his idea. His son plays for the Gamblers, so Doug was here uh, to support and, and, and also possibly, I guess, scout. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe. maybe Who's he coaching Giants? now? The Jags, right? Jags. Yeah,
2: that's... Uh, yeah, the Jaguars. That's, yeah, no, but no one's, uh, no one's really taken the cause of the uh, Houston Gamblers in town.